football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. It's here if you're looking for uh, Primo Golden Knights coverage. That's our sister station, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM. Pre-game show has started. Puck drop at 4 o'clock. As the Knights are on the road for four straight games this evening, it's the Maple Leafs. Willie Ramirez is here. Steve Cofield. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the uh, tragic news of the day, and that was uh, Henry Ruggs crashing into a woman in a, a RAV4, uh, the car bursting into flames. She passed away, and uh, Ruggs is going to be facing serious, serious charges. We're waiting on more comments, info from the Raiders and the Ruggs family and the victim's family. So we'll follow up on that uh, before we, if we can, uh, before we get out of here at 5 o'clock. Let's get into some football. Very exciting, very exciting. I will reveal my college football playoff rankings, which frankly are the only ones that count. Sure. There's no politics for me, no agenda, no regional bias, right? I'm a native East Coaster who... Roots for a team in a Midwest conference, covers a group of five school, and has lived in the West for 26 years. Well, I'll just let you know, years. when I see... No agenda! When I see CFP, yes. I automatically think Cofield football playoff. I don't correlate college. I think you're smart on that. Yeah. Would you like me to give out... No, wait. make the people wait. Well, we're going to try to talk to John Sassenti from the Las Vegas Bowl a little later in the hour. Yeah. My guy, mm. you know what? I am going to wait. I'm going to uh, just before the CFP comes out after four o'clock, we'll be doing our big five at four. I will, I will then reveal what I've seen. Um, we'll get your big four at five. No, which is at no, four. you'll get my big 10. Oh, big 10, not the conference, but my top 10 teams. Okay, I will go 10 deep. Right on, a lot of good teams out there. UNLV is not in there, a lot of overrated teams. Yeah, UNLV struggling a bit. Are they in your bottom 10? I don't do a bottom 10. I choose not to harp on what's going on right you now. You try not to be negative. Me? Of course not. I'm glad it's overflowing. You know that. That's Always. my reputation for years and years and years. People turn on the show and they're like, there he is, Mr. Sunshine. The glass is overflowing. There's only one. Well, no, I'm not even going to go there. It's a bit of a. Let's let's get this. Let's let's frenzy this. <laughs> <laughs> Willie's like, crunch, crunch. Let's do it. Uh, how about this? And I guess it's par for the course now. You do not see coaches, even though they separate from programs, stay out very long if they can work. They want to coach football. Like you don't see guys taking two- and three-year breaks. And if they do, that the handwriting's on the wall that, that maybe no one wants them. Um, are you surprised that Clay Helton, the former USC coach who went bye-bye a few weeks ago, is going to take the job at Georgia Southern? No. Right away with a no. He just wants to get right back. He Like he shouldn't have waited for a higher-level job? Well, I think he sees potential in being able to build, you know, because we talked about, was it yesterday we were talking about coaching positions in, in certain states. You talked about how maybe the Mountain West mis missed out on, um, who was it from uh, Texas San Antonio who signed that big UTSA, extension? yeah. Right. So when you were talking about how Texas, the smaller schools in Florida, you know, where it used to be just Miami, Florida State, and Florida, and then all of a sudden Florida International, Florida Atlantic. We saw some big names roll through those smaller schools. So, you know, 
um, in being able to build those up and maybe maybe have a mental cleanse where there's less pressure, but you're still getting the same job and you're the big name. I'm not sure. I don't necessarily I want to make it sound like it's an egotistical move. It's more so just, you know, a bit of a challenge. But you have a former FCS power who's now come into the FBS and has a little bit of a a, a, a brand name in its conference. Um, so maybe he has an agenda in wanting to rebuild this program, but at the same time, the underlying theme rebuilding his name. Statesboro, Georgia. Yeah. You're familiar. L.A. Uh, to Statesboro, Georgia. Sure. Probably. If it's uh, if it's not on the 95 going north to south, then I don't really know the city. So this one is a little off the beaten path between Macon and Savannah. So it looks like it's within driving distance of Savannah. So that's where Clay Helton is going to coach. But they do. They, you're right. They actually do have a good football culture there. So, hey, the guy wants to work. Um, I hope he learned his lesson because uh, there are some reports that came out afterwards that uh, recruiting and the organization around the recruiting at USC was getting pretty lazy. So if you're going to be lazy and you're going to Georgia Southern and you need players, that ain't going to work. Well, then maybe that's why is if those if if some of his his track record at USC wasn't that good, then it's not going to help him at some of the other power five openings that have come up that we discussed. And maybe that he has to, re, like I said, rebuild his own brand and, and, and start fresh and prove himself because, you know, other power five openings that come up, they're going to be checking, especially, you know, like a TCU, right. That just the Gary Patterson stepped down. They're, they're going to, they're going to ask questions. They're going to want to know LA is a big town, USC, big program, traditional, historical. They're going to ask, how is his recruiting? How is his, how is this? How is that? X is an, they're going to ask those questions, and it's only going to take one or two people to squash that. So this may be the route that he feels he needs to go. Things not going real well. Uh, this is interesting. With Sark to start the season with Texas, he's lost three in a row. He just lost to Baylor. They're four and four. They have high expectations. They're trying to build now as they head to the SEC, probably sooner. Then later, and now we've got this weird story with a special teams coach, something calling itself pole assassin and a monkey. Wait, what just happened? Pole assassin. Yes, which has so much. Is that, was that quadruple entendre? That's dynamite. Yeah, apparently uh, the special teams coach left his wife for a, a former stripper. Uh, her nickname was the pole assassin. Mm. Uh, no one appreciates more good pole work. Uh, than I do. I uh, I won't get into it. I won't. Listen, be, I, I don't want to. You know, I was going to say I don't want to objectify, but if you're working as a stripper, it's kind of like. Can I anyway, tell you? I, I, uh, can I tell you? I, I will tell you. I'm I'm always highly impressed at the club. Yeah. Uh, and Crazy Horse Three actually has a couple of great pole artists. Mm. Um, I'm always impressed when you get like kind of muscly ladies, okay. and they're up there, and they're like pseudo gymnast. There's a little risk there. There's a little risk. I'm always in. It's the extra effort. Uh, that I enjoy. So pole assassin, and apparently she had a monkey. Uh, and I left out the most important part: the monkey went rogue and bit a child on Halloween. Well, let me first start by addressing- where, where do you, where do you first start? Man, I, I'm <laughs> I'm, first- I'm fascinated to see where Willie Ramirez is going to start off first with well, the pole assassin, the monkey, the kid getting bitten, special teams coach, and I still feel like there's like seven more details I'm missing here. Based off of some of our conversations from the late night podcast, you know I 
I, I have a history with that industry. You've from, got some experience. 20, you're well, yeah. you're well researched. Well versed from yeah. from long ago, a couple of decades all, ago. It was all research. What a, what a, what stories like this. A couple of strippers have told me is that, and I've never used this exact with the word former, but strippers are never they never quit. They just take a break. So former is not necessarily former. They're just on a break. Okay. Okay. Right. So once so that's one observation. Once a stripper, always a stripper. Okay. All right. Can we get to the monkey and the child who apparently now, was assaulted by the I monkey? would like to know if you you have a pet monkey and you have this you're a pole assassin, which means you're disciplined, you're you you have control. Is that what that pole. means? How you now you're now ascribing character qualities? Well, you know how to you, if, if you know how to work a pole, how is it that your pet monkey's not disciplined enough to not bite a kid or just hand out candy well, I, appropriately. I think we're missing out on the big story here. Apparently the monkey was caged and the child sought out the monkey and that's when the uh, that's when the assault, the alleged assault happened. Okay, so the kid was trick-or-treating and, and reached into the cage? It, it appears. that That's the claim. The claim. That's the claim, but the uh, the pole assassin is saying that it, it was the kid's fault. So, And of course, because... I, by the she, way, when, when kids came up to the door for Halloween, I had my cats on a leash. And they wanted to bite kids, but I... I took that safety precaution. Let me ask you this. The special teams coach, would that be his step monkey? <laughs> Just asking. I mean. Sorry, I got distracted there for a second because we didn't get the crunch crunch because apparently Ari was eating wings and I had to watch it and it, or, was, pretty, it was pretty disgusting. Or he was Googling Polis. No, actually, I was watching him on our little video system and yeah. he was he was actually eating wings. So uh, Peyton Manning, apparently uh, an idol now. A role model yeah. of Ari who's eating during the show. Did you see Peyton Manning? I don't know why they had to ISO this. I mean, it's kind of, it actually, it, the vibe around that show does feel funny, uh, especially if you're from a family where you have a brother. There is a lot of chop busting that goes on and catching your brother eating wings and when he looks like Peyton Manning is funny, but it was gross. It, it's, it's not a, it's an unsightly thing to watch someone eat wings. So I don't we, know why. So when you leave, me, us, yes. at Twin Peaks. You go home and watch this the Manning stuff because I've yet to be able to watch it. I do not. Go, I do not go home and watch the Manning stuff. I will catch the Manning stuff later on. Oh, the highlights! And I happen to see on social media the, the video. short video of them showing gotcha. Peyton, who didn't believe he was on camera, uh, eating wings, and it's it's a, it's a it's an arduous, disgusting process. Yeah, I well, I think part of it is. You know, if you're going to be, you know, behind the scenes and how the Mannings watch, then that's got to be part of it. He was, if he's embarrassed about that, then that's tough. You know, um, it that's that's part of the broadcast is what they're doing when they're watching, what they're talking about, it's all fair how game. they're eating. It's all fair. Everything's unplugged. everything's open game. Unplug the Mannings. Unplug for sure. So, um, we're TV got to watch that. We get to watch Ari eating wings. Yeah, the comment was made, are you breathing? I see that. At one point. So he the, inhaled the wing, that. The wing inhalation was very, very intense. He inhaled that. So, you know, um, I wonder if he tasted it. He just engulfed it. I don't know. At this point, I can't afford wings. So the uh, the chicken, the, 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 the great national chicken wing shortage has bankrupted me. So it's rough. You've seen the prices, right? People can't get wings anymore. They've gone through the roof. Yeah. There's a whole I don't there's all there's a, the whole diatribe that you could go down the pandemic and chickens and they you know we're just we have no chicken wings. Yeah. Super Bowl's coming up and NCAA tournaments after that. 
We gotta get some wings. So what you're saying? I can't. I can't go to a restaurant and pay twenty two bucks for twelve wings. No. So what you're that's saying? That's where it's is, gonna be. I'm this gonna, country is in trouble. Can we go to the grocery store? Let's <laughs> get fired up here at Nova Homeloads. Can we get a? We might need to get Nova Homeloads to fund us for wings. Yeah. Uh, I may pick. No more up, advertising, I'm Justin. Gonna, we just want. We need a wing fund for Cofield and Company. I'm Sorry, gonna, we're gonna cut you a deal. It's all a wing it's budget. All, it's all trade and wing budget. Yeah. Wing per diem. Uh, coming up next, our NFL insider from Pro Football Talk, Miles Simmons, is going to check in. We'll talk about the Chiefs and the Giants game and uh, get into the future of the Giants. And also, do we need to start talking about the future of the Vikings? Because they are in, as we uh, termed it yesterday, well, actually someone else on the internet termed it, they are in purple purgatory right now. Something has to change in many. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. We've got to eliminate the mistakes that we make down a stretch. We can't allow a team like this to have extra opportunities. We can't rob opportunities from ourselves with breakdowns and focus. So we got to make sure we do a better job of that. Chopping it up on a Tuesday. It's Cofield and Company at the Nova Home Loan Studio. My God, I'm so glad I don't cover the Giants. That that has become a broken record. That was freaking Joe Judge. Miles Simmons is with us. Miles, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, guys. How are you? What's I up, mean, uh, believe me, uh, today is not uh, the, the you know a, a very nice day to be covering the Raiders. The story of Henry Ruggs and this poor woman who uh, perished in this accident is absolutely terrible. I want to get the judge in a, in a couple of minutes, but, um, you know, just your reaction. And now, um, you know, there's some football to deal with for the Raiders, you know, and I was going to say, you know, once they get past this, it's it's impossible to say, hey, get past uh, this uh, person dying in a car accident. But uh, I don't know. What are you thinking about today with, with the Raiders and Henry Ruggs? Well, I mean, certainly – this is one of the most unfortunate things that can ever happen to any human being. Um, you know, the loss of life in a car accident like this is absolutely awful and it's terrible. And, you know, when you hear that it's going to be charged with DUI and resulting in death, I think the only thing that comes to mind for me is, man, everybody, please, when you go out, call car service, call Lyft, call Uber, call a taxi, whatever you got to do, but stay off the roads, you know, if you are impaired. Um, but I guess, you know, from a football standpoint, it then becomes, well, how do you replace Henry Ruggs? Because this is a team that does not necessarily have that much depth at receiver. And I think the obvious name that comes up now, given that he was released um, or is going to be released, you know, however you want to technically say it, um, is Deshaun Jackson uh, from the Los Angeles Rams because I mean he basically would he's a good skill set replacement from that position and specifically that position at wide receiver you know he's a very fast guy he can help you take the top off of a defense and so Deshaun Jackson has to go through waivers so if say you know the Detroit Lions decide that they want Deshaun Jackson for some unknown reason I don't know how he would make them better uh then that would be the team that Deshaun Jackson goes to because they have the waiver claim and you know obviously the the Raiders have been very good you know they have a good record so they are toward the bottom of that waiver claim list so at this point it's going to be interesting to see if somebody does want to claim Deshaun Jackson and then where that team goes. But I would have to think that the Raiders are going to be interested. They maybe should have been interested anyway, but especially given what Henry Ruggs is going through right now, they've got to be interested. 
what do we know about Jackson wanting out of Ramsland? What do we know about Jackson's character? Um, is this a guy that the Raiders are going to look at and go, yeah, we want to add him to the locker room? Well, I think part of it was just that the playing time was not there for Deshaun Jackson. If you look at what the Rams do offensively, they use a lot of 11 personnel. So they got three wide receivers on the field. But Sean McVay does not substitute a lot. I mean, and that allows them to go up tempo where they don't have to make sure they, they don't have to allow the defense to substitute guys on so that gives them better matchups right I mean in, in any situation they basically want to be able to say all right we're running in this formation in a different formation and we're going to run basically the same plays but they look different that's how we confuse defenses so what that's done is it's made Deshaun Jackson a little bit expendable from the standpoint that he's just not on the field very much and when you have somebody who's a younger talent and it's emerging like Van Jefferson, like they do, it, it just wasn't really working from you're, you're, you're saying basically that, all right, we don't really need you Deshaun, but we kind of want to keep you around, but it's just, you're not really our priority at receiver right now. And if that's the case and Deshaun Jackson feels like he can still play and he's made some plays in the first few games of the season then yeah, I, I would understand why it is that he would want to move on because it's he feels like he still has ability and where he was in Los Angeles, it just wasn't going to be displayed. The Chiefs are facing a ton of too high safety looks. Would they be interested in bringing in Deshaun Jackson? Uh, probably. I could right. definitely see that because, look, I mean, Deshaun Jackson brought this up on a podcast. I think it was at the end of September where he was talking about Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and how he's talked to Andy Reid a little bit because Andy Reid was his coach when he came in. And Reid was saying how, you know, those two guys remind him of Deshaun Jackson and Michael Vick when in the old Philadelphia days. So I think that there definitely could be a fit from Kansas City standpoint. And, you know, we talk about that waiver uh, claim order. Kansas City is ahead of Las Vegas right now. So if Kansas City wants him and they are willing to take on the rest of his salary, then, yeah, they could step in front of the Raiders in line and get him there. Miles, you, you spoke at the top about the receiving depth. I, I find it ironic because we had t touched on this earlier that coming into this season out of training camp, we were trying to figure out if they were going to keep five or six. They had brought in John Brown, Willie Sneed. They had – some tremendous performances, um, including Henry Ruggs, during training camp. And it looked like a team where Derek Carr was going to have his not just deepest receiving uh, roster, but also the most diverse in what different receivers could do. Now they're down to Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, um, and Zay Jones. Darren Waller is, is you know, is on, is, if he's going to be better, Foster, they got Foster Moreau. They need balance with the rushing game, which they've somewhat gotten from Kenyon Drake out of the backfield. I guess a two-part question is, what have you seen the last two games before the bye week in terms of the running game possibly improving, but also from a standpoint of this tragedy, after what this team just went through, and to mentally, as Derek Carr said, we need time to process, now all of a sudden having to process something all over again. In your experience in covering teams, I mean, how does this team do this all over again from a mental standpoint? Well, frankly, I'll answer the second part of your question first. I, I, I think this is a bit unprecedented, right? You don't usually see teams go through losing their head coach and then also having to go through a teammate's accident resulting in a death within a 30-day span, right? This, this is 
really, really, really tough stuff. And I think you need really strong locker room leaders. You need strong leaders um, from your head coach on down in order to be able to withstand something like that. Now, we'll see if the Raiders can do that or not. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think they did a really nice job of banding together um, after what happened with John Gruden and him his resignation. But yeah, this is... the. the one, something that I guess I could, you know, basically com- maybe compare it to, but not even really compare it to, and I, I hesitate to even use that word. Um, in, I think it was twenty late 2015, Stedman Bailey was shot uh, in the head while I was covering the Rams, and he was playing for the Rams, and he was in Florida because he was on sus- he was suspended, and he was had permission from the team to be in Florida and all that. And, you know, it was just one of those things where you think, you know, when you, somebody gets shot in the head, oh my goodness, they might die. But it's something that the Rams were kind of able to rally around and played well in their last few games. I think they went either 3-1 and one or 4-1 and one in their last five, something like that. So it's it really depends on the team and the type of locker room that they have um, in order to do this. And look, I, I think given that Derek Carr has been there for so long, given that you have strong leaders like a Darren Waller on this team as well, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they how they all deal with this. Um, but it's not going to be easy. I, I certainly don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, but with the, the run game, yeah, I, I think, you know, the emergence of King and Drake as somebody who can run the ball a little bit more between the tackles as opposed to just being a gadget guy. Look, they're paying him a lot of guaranteed money. So they need him to do that, right? And unfortunately, Josh Jacobs has just been hurt so much. And it's not, I don't want to say you can't rely on him, but in some ways you need somebody else to make sure that if he is not healthy, then the running game can still get going. And so I think you're seeing a little bit more cohesion with the OL and that part of that probably is taking Alex Leatherwood and putting him at guard and getting him a little more comfortable there. Maybe we'll see him then move back out to the outside at some point, probably not this season, but at some point in the future. Um, But when it comes to those kinds of things, yeah, you, this Raiders offense, as well as Derek Carr has been playing, you need to have that run game now, especially given what's gone on at receiver where you just are going to need to be able to get a little more balance there. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk, is with us. Monday Night Football, you got Chiefs-Giants, uh, kind of a lackluster game. Chiefs escape. Uh, Giants, uh, embarrassing in, in many ways. Uh, first of all, I don't understand why we keep getting them on primetime. It's amazing. Daniel Jones is now 0-7 in primetime, and you're like, how do they get seven games in primetime? That's New York nuts. market. Uh, yeah, I, I get it, Same but it's the NFL. The Jets still. I know. I know. I know. And I'm I a Jets fan. I, I, I don't want to freaking watch it on Thursday. Night, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to see it. Um, I don't want to watch this game on Thursday either, but gee, I mean, at least I'm getting paid to do it. Yeah. The, uh, the giant situation here. Listen, I know New York is really tough on coaches, but Joe judge is making it pretty easy. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, especially when he starts talking about the headsets, Oh my goodness. The headset doesn't work. The headset doesn't work. This, the headset doesn't work that I've never known a coach who hasn't had some sort of issue with the headset, right? I mean, of course you're going to have an issue with the headset because you got 70,000 people that are all screaming and you've got all these different things on different frequencies in the building. So yeah, you're like, it, and everybody's got a cell phone and like, I know those aren't, things aren't always the same, but like when you have all these electronics, like that's just something that happens. So I don't know. It, it's the silly thing. And then I thought the funniest thing was Bose like coming out. Well, Bose didn't make the statement. The NFL made the statement and mentioned Bose in the statement and is like, we've not found anything that's wrong with these Bose headsets. Bose, you know, <laughs> you should definitely go buy your Bose headset. So I don't know, man. It's just like the Giants aren't very good. 
And, you know, you had Joe Judge saying a fish rots from the head or a fish stinks from the head down, you know, whatever it was a couple weeks ago. And I don't think everything is Joe Judge's fault, right? You got to look up a little higher to the ownership there, probably, um, or at least higher up with Gettleman and the way he's set things up. Um, but yeah, I don't, the Giants have to make some big changes. Daniel Jones has not been as bad, I feel like, sometimes as we might think. You know, maybe with a better offensive limp, system. As you limp he's... into that statement. You didn't say that with a lot of conviction. You're like, he's not been that bad. I mean, he's not bad, bad, but he's also not good right now. You know, and the right. fact that Saquon Barkley's still out, it doesn't help him. I, I'll put it this way, and this is a very low bar, but, you know, Jets guy, right? I would take Daniel Jones over Sam Darnold. Okay, I'm not going to fight you on that. I actually, you know? I, I do. I think I do think Daniel Jones has a, a ton of upside. I just, uh, I think he's surrounded by just lackluster football people, and uh, he may be one of those second chance guys lands somewhere and then takes off and is a you know a top half of the league quarterback. One thing yeah. the Giants did do successfully is get out from under Odell Beckham. They saw the signs. Apparently, the Browns didn't see the signs. Um, I guess today everyone else knows what's going on with Odell Beckham because no one stepped up to trade for him. Well, I mean, he has no trade value, right? I mean, he is somebody that may not even be able to pass a physical given uh, <laughs> what's going on with his shoulder right now. So I, I'm not sure, you know, it, it's almost like the, there was a concerted campaign to get Odell Beckham Jr. out of Cleveland kind of by any means necessary. And I think that's not a great way of doing business because it just means that when it doesn't happen and it was never going to happen at the trade deadline and you've got somebody who's got such a huge salary, right? Like nobody really is going to want Odell Beckham Jr. at the price tag where he's currently at. It, it's just not going to happen. Um, and it's almost like they were trying to get the Browns to either trade him or force a release. And if I'm the Browns, like, why am I going to give this guy up who may be or may not be a supreme talent for nothing? I'd rather at least just have him in the building and see what we can get out of him, especially because the offense for the Browns right now is just so lackluster. They've not scored 20 points in a few weeks. right? And not getting to 20 points in the NFL these days is not really a recipe for winning. So if they can get something out of him, he's got no more guaranteed money on his contract after this year, then yeah, you're headed for divorce, you know, probably next February, next March. But at least right now, because you have no trade value, you're going to stay here and you're going to try to do whatever. And we're going to try to figure this thing out because it's ridiculous that for whatever reason, it just has not worked between Baker Mayfield and Nodell Beckham Jr. I saw you laughing on social media at the uh, terminology purple purgatory. The Vikings are in a, a horrible position, aren't they? Well, they are, and they're like sort of the the Atlanta Falcons that for a long time under Mike Smith, right? And to an extent under Dan Quinn, too, aside from those couple of years that they had Kyle Shanahan as their offensive coordinator. I mean, it's just it, – it like – when you're the Vikings, you really are only good enough to beat the bad teams. But when you face the good teams, you're not good enough to beat them. And Kirk Cousins is the perfect quarterback for that, at least, you know, in the Kubiak system um, that they play there in Minnesota. Because it's like, okay, you know, you can rely on him for some stuff and he'll be all right. And he'll beat the bad teams. And, you know, he's got guys like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And those guys are great receivers. But then when you face a pretty adequate defense or above or a good defense, especially, he's not going to be able to get it done. And the fact that they lost to Cooper Rush, I mean, my goodness gracious, like what is going on up there? You know, I don't it's not just a Kirk Cousins thing. It's a it's a franchise thing. It's an organizational thing. Mike Zimmer, as long as 
you know, he's there and the, the way that they're doing things right now, they are a seven and 10 to a 10 and 17 basically every year. And especially mm-hmm. the way the NFC is structured right now, heck, they're probably good enough to make it to that seven seed, but then they'll get boat raced by whoever's the number two. Miles, great spot. What do you got coming up on TV? Uh, I will be on uh, PFTPM tomorrow and Friday. That's 2 o'clock Pacific time on Peacock, the exclusive, easy for me to say, streaming (laughs) home of The Office. Thanks, Miles. We'll talk to you. Thanks, Miles. Take care, guys. There he is. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. Uh, Today, ton of stories, uh, including the story about uh, Deshaun Jackson, the beginning of him being on the move. Uh, Recent stories talking about – Buccaneers changes at receiver. He's on top of it. He's writing 1450 stories, 1415 stories a day, not 1450 stories a day. Also had the story of uh, Noah Fant for the Broncos. Can't catch a break, and now he's on the COVID list. Yeah, that's well, there's a lot of people jumping. Every time I look up now, it's a, we saw the, uh, was it from the NBA? It's Chris Middleton. Every, COVID, uh, I think people seem to forget that we're still dealing with this across the board and 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 that because is going to become an issue as we hit the middle of the season and hit the second half of the season and teams are going to have to stay conscious of that whether you believe in whatever protocol it may be but to to stay conscious of of being smart four o'clock hour we'll get into uh, UNLV's decision uh going opposite what they're doing at football at the Al at Thomas and Mac everyone's gonna have to be fully vaccinated and show proof of being fully vaccinated but uh coming up we're going to talk to john sasanti from the las vegas bowl in about 10 minutes and uh, we'll also do a little speculation on what the uh, first rankings could look like in the college football playoff gofield got his mortgage tuned up you should too call 877-700-NOVA now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Willie, you're not so much a college football guy, right? Doing uh, you know, mostly Knights and Raiders and pro sports and local sports, but uh, are you into the college football playoff? I am, and, and no, I'm, I'm. I mean, in terms of watching, I enjoy watching college football. I, I won't sit there for an entire Saturday and 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 veg out um if there's some games on that i want to pay attention to and then as these announcements begin tonight weekly i'll pay attention to that but in terms of getting into the depths of power ratings and power rankings and having my own rating system like you do no i won't um my own rating system if you'd like all the bullet points on the factors none of your business could be the ad test could be analytics could be anything i want it to be could be could be how i bet um, which we'll get into here in a second. Uh, you want me to go one to ten or ten to one? No, ten to one. Okay, come on. Uh, number ten, Oklahoma. <clears throat> right okay. out of the gates. Nice. I'm just. Gonna well, they're going to be top four. I don't. I don't think they're a great team, and I'm pretty confident they're going to lose a couple of games here down the stretch. I now Can watch. I now watch how I change this. I'm not. I'm not putting a team with a freshman quarterback who's taken over for their Heisman candidate. I just have not been impressed. They barely beat Nebraska and Kansas. Their most impressive wins are Texas. Texas is four and four. Kansas State is not a great team. They just haven't played that great a schedule. So I'll keep going from there. Oklahoma, Wake Forest. My God, I'm rooting for Wake Forest to upset the apple cart and run the table in the ACC because they're one of those teams, classic example of not being rated and then having a struggle to get up 
anywhere near the college football playoff, yet they're in the ACC. So Wake Forest is nine. Okay. Eight, eight is Notre Dame. Seven is Michigan. Six is Oregon. Five is Michigan State. Four is Ohio State. Yes, Ohio State lost to Oregon. I don't care. Talking to the folks in the sports books, mm-hmm. Ohio State, Oregon on a neutral field right now, Ohio State minus 13 and a half. <laughs> Things have changed. Things have changed. All right? So my top four, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and number one, Cincinnati. And what do I base that on? Because I think Georgia's really good. Cincinnati was the better team when these two teams went at it last year in the Peach Bowl. So what they lost at the end, I test tells me, since he's better, Bearcats, number one team in the country. I'll go the other way. One through ten. Cincy, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan State, Oregon, Michigan, Notre Dame, Wake Forest, Oklahoma will react with John Sassenti, Willard Ramirez. Maybe he agrees with me. Maybe he agrees that Oklahoma is vastly overrated, and that will be one of the jokes tonight when the CFP is released. Drop the Sooners. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. What a drive to start this Las Vegas Bowl. Ahmed tries to turn the corner. Great balance looking for the pylon, and he's got it for a Huskies touchdown. From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Las Vegas Bowl of past. It's now a different alignment in terms of the connections with the conferences, bigger and better, and now at the Al and John Sassenti. It runs this whole thing, and the new era is here. John, how you doing, buddy? Hey, fellas. How you been? Long time no see. We're good. You know, this is one of my favorite spots uh, every year, the, the six or seven week lead up to the game, and we get a chance to talk about the college football playoff, and the rankings are coming out in just a little bit. But before we uh, put the, uh, the cart in front of the horse, let's talk about the new game and the new conferences and the new alignment and the whole setup. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we're, we're pretty anxious to get this thing going. It's been a long time in the making. We started this, gosh, back in January of, uh, I think, 2018 when we first started having these conversations. And uh, I know you guys remember when we, we made the official announcement, it was April of 2019, uh, and we still have not played a game in this new setup. But we're, we're rocking and rolling this year. We're ready to go. This year is uh, a Big Ten year, so we have Big Ten number three. Um, for those of you that are following college football, you realize that, that the Big Ten is off to an unbelievable start, so we're really excited about where they're at. Uh, the Pac-12 does what the Pac-12 does every year and beats each other up, but uh, we're, the, we're the number two position now in the Pac-12, uh, up a number of spots from where we used to be in the old Las Vegas Bowl. So uh, I'm pretty confident that we'll have a pretty good team there. But uh, we, we, everything you see, it's, you know, we're, we're talking about it, and we're reminding people it's a, it's, a, it's a new matchup, it's a new date, it's a new house, so it's an all-new Las Vegas Bowl, even though we're celebrating our 30th year. John, how has the reception from the Vegas kickoff classic, because you added something to your, um, your umbrella, and, and to, to kick something off, we have different kickoff classics, and now we have a Vegas kickoff. How's that reception sort of helped build the momentum, build for sponsorships, build for your pitch to, you know, as far as building up the Las Vegas Bowl? Well, it's it, it's helped a number of different ways. First of all, it's helped our staff kind of get a handle on how to operate and run that stadium. It's a completely new uh, animal from what we had at Sam Boyd Stadium. So that's been pretty helpful to get one of those games under our belt this year with the Arizona-BYU game. Um, but once we announced and we strategically announced the next one, which is going to be USC and LSU, uh, who would have ever thought we were on this show, by the way, on this show, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we accidentally did it on this show. I remember it was a, it was a, it was a Twitter <laughs> leak. Um, we hope we don't have one of those today, but, 
Uh, who would have ever thought we'd be sitting here with LSU and USC coming up next, and they're both looking for head coaches right now uh, just a couple months later. But it, it has been great. I mean, we, we got tremendous um, response from that. We had people that wanted to get involved in the game because the one thing we told them is, you know, the people that are supporting the Las Vegas Bowl game will get first crack at tickets for that. We, we saw a huge uptick in, in, in ticket sales. For this year's bowl game, uh, uptick in, in sponsorship sales for this bowl game, and 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 that did play a huge role in it. And uh, we're we're getting close to announcing the next one after LSU USC. And, and uh, I know it's not going to leak here on Twitter today, but I promise you, it will be just as big, if not bigger. John Sassanti, Las Vegas Bowl with us. So, how do you actually make the selection when you say it's a big a Big Ten three and Pac twelve two? How do you actually break ties and how does it go? So uh, the way we set our the way we set our deal up is um, you know we 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 fully select second in the Pac-12, and uh, we have the ability to slide and we can slide two games uh, in the in in our old conference agreement we were locked into a position so we didn't have a whole lot of flexibility whatever team fell into that spot uh, we were kind of forced to take them uh, one of the advantages to paying more money and one of the advantages to moving up the ladder is you get to ask for a few additional things in, in your agreement. And that was one that was incredibly important to us. We did not want to get landlocked into having a specific team uh, that we were, we were forced to take. We, we want to take the team that's best for the matchup, best for the destination, best for ticket sales. But also in the back of our minds, we knew the Pac-12 championship game was coming here to Las Vegas. We did not want to be forced into we, – we may look at a team that loses the Pac-12 championship game, but we did not want to be forced into that selection. So having the flexibility to be able to slide down a couple spots was critical for us. Uh, we did the same thing on the Big Ten side. Um, uh, we will we will select number three right ahead of uh, right after the Outback Bowl. Um, so so again, it, it we have some flexibility there, so we could slide a little bit. Uh, it's important. It's really important for me to get off to a great start in this quote unquote new Las Vegas Bowl. Um, but we, uh, we 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 want to hit a home run this year for sure. And is it number two and number three teams after uh, if a team is actually selected to the final four? It is number two and number three after the CFP selections. Okay. So, so, the, so if those, Ohio those State those or Michigan be... State, yeah, if Ohio State or Michigan yeah. State, uh, even Michigan made it, then you'd be uh, you'd be going three from there. Look at you, Cofield, doing your homework. I think. I'm just trying to figure <laughs> it out, my friend. Just trying to figure it out. <laughs> it's crazy, I mean, the, the, the collection of teams, and I'll get to the Pac-12 in a second because obviously that's going to be a big part of the draw. But you're going to want you're going to want a Big Ten team that freaking travels. So right now, I mean, there, there's a lot that could happen because like Penn State is down at five and three, but Penn State controls a lot of its own destiny because they play a lot of the teams above them. But the top teams in the Big Ten are Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, uh, go to Minnesota and Wisconsin. I don't know if you want Maryland because I don't think they would travel. But that's a good collection of schools to pick from. You know, I was keeping my fingers crossed for your Rutgers, uh, <laughs> your your Rutgers. Squad. You never know. They I control it. You, you never know. They have uh, they, have, they have some big games coming up. A couple years because next year is yeah. an SEC year, so we don't go back to the yeah. Big Ten. We, we we have the SEC next year. But the the key ones for us, I think, right now, and and listen, everybody has to play each other. You got to keep an eye on everything. But but right now, I think our window, and everybody would agree, our window, including the expert projections in the conference, would be possibly Iowa, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Minnesota. Uh, if things, if teams continue to play the way they're playing, if things continue to shake out the way that we think they may shake out, we think that that's going to be the pool from which we select from. Well, and Not one, of those one of those teams stands out, and you've been here a long time. We go way back. Uh, <laughs> Wisconsin travels well. Is there a part of you? I mean, are you out of the ones that you just mentioned? 
are, you know, are you pulling for one? Are you are, are you already thinking ahead to, you know, I mean, we've seen Wisconsin bring a bring a large crowd. They've had a presence here in many ways. Yeah, I'll tell you what we we've um, we, we've seen what Wisconsin's capable of. Right. And uh, I, I honestly think if, if we did have Wisconsin, we'd have no trouble selling this game out really quickly. Um, you know, for 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 you guys that 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 don't know, we've already sold thirty six thousand tickets to this game. And, and that's pretty remarkable when you think about we're not announcing these teams until December right, the 5th. Right, right. And to have 22,000 tickets remaining, 36,000 sold, sitting here on November the 2nd, that, that's pretty darn good. I'm confident in saying that if it is a team like, I mean, take any one of those, right? Wisconsin probably is the leader in the clubhouse with, with, uh, with regards to fan travel, but Penn State's no slouch either, right? Minnesota's no slouch. Iowa, we know what they're capable of. So any one of them will be a home run. I think uh, I think our beer sponsors will certainly be rooting for Wisconsin over all of them, though. Sure. Uh, John Sassenti's with us. Las Vegas Bowl is coming up on December 30th. I have the date correct, right? December 30th? December 30th, 7.30 kick. All right. So we're looking forward to that. Do you, uh, do you have the festivities around the game set up yet? Because I know uh, old school Las Vegas Bowl, you guys did it better than almost – anyone in the bowl system in terms of treating the teams and the staff and the kids the right way. Yeah. You, you know, the one thing that's important for us and, and, and we've said this for years and, and, and this is, this has been at the fabric of the Las Vegas bowl forever from even before we were ever around when, when the LVCBA started it, the, the, the things that were important was one, we wanted to make it about the student athletes and make sure that their experience was second to none. A lot of the bowl games that these guys went to and these guys saw, you know, they took care of the committee. They took care of all these other folks around the city officials um, we wanted to make it about the student athletes first, but we wanted to make it about the student athletes with a unique Vegas experience, right? We're not going to necessarily take them bowling because they can go to bowling at any other uh, um, bowl game. Right. We're not going to take them to Top Golf because you could do Top Golf anywhere. Our experiences here are going to be very unique. So we're going to continue to bring them downtown and enjoy Fremont Street. Uh, we're going to continue to showcase very Vegas specific things. We're going to release the full schedule of events here very soon. One thing that I'm very excited about, and, and we'll have some more details coming out here in the next few days, but we are actually bringing the pep rally down to the Las Vegas Strip this year, which nice. uh, is something we've not done in our 30-year history is, uh, is brought that down to the Strip. So, so that's pretty exciting news. Um, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna continue to take care of the student-athletes. We're going to continue to – the one thing we've always said is we, we can't control what happens on the field. Um, and the reason we, we have people attend this game locally every single year is they know we're going to put on one hell of an event and throw one hell of a party. And so uh, that, that's what we're going to continue to do. And, and I think that's reflective in, in the amount of ticket sales that we've sold so far. If you want tickets, go to LasVegasBowl.com. I'm looking at Ticketmaster right now upstairs, uh, starting at 50 bucks. You can get in for this uh, primetime matchup between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Uh, we will react to the CFP next week because you'll be on a little later in the show next week after the rankings come out for the second time. The rankings are coming out soon. Uh, here are the rankings, the only ones that matter, my rankings. Um, <laughs> right, now, right now, my top four are Ohio State four, Alabama three, Georgia two, Cincinnati one. Yeah, how did I know you were going to do that? You, you do that just to poke people, don't you? Not at all. I just explained it a couple of minutes ago. Based okay, on what I've seen from Cincinnati this year, Cincinnati also – took Georgia to the woodshed in the Peach Bowl last year for three quarters and then let off the gas pedal, just like SEC teams do when they kind of lose interest. Uh, but since, uh, since he showed last year toe-to-toe -to -toe, that they can compete with teams like Georgia, so I'm confident that Cincinnati is going to be in this field. Buddy, I'm all in, I'm all in on Cincinnati, too. No, pro no problem whatsoever. But you cannot tell me 
that you're putting Cincinnati ahead of Georgia because of a bowl game last December? Uh, I don't trust uh, the Georgia coaching staff in terms of uh, turning on the fire hose offensively. They're still too conservative. Desmond Ritter, Cincy, Luke Fickle, they mean business. I'll tell you what, what a story that would be, though, if, if, if Cincinnati does secure the number one seed. I can't see it happening, but uh, it would be one hell of a story for college football. Yes, it would be one hell of a story if some of these other schools that need coaches are looking yeah. at Luke Fickle and he's in, a, he's in the national championship and all of a sudden he's being offered, you know, eight mil a year to go to, you know, what people think is next level power five jobs. Willie, what do you got? Yeah, well, I was just going to remind John, he said he can't control what takes place on the field. but And that's between the sidelines and the hash marks on on the field itself. But outside those sidelines, let's not forget who you have as the best damn sideline marshal who takes his journalism hat off for one day a year oh is that right yeah yeah, yeah but I, I oh i run talk, the show i had to have a talk with him last year he's taking too many selfies with sideline reporters <laughs> that's, that's, oh he froze up that, that is one that, that is 100 not true what are you doing uh that, that's 100 not true. he's he's a belly and i can't even believe that he's that he would do that to his boy because that's not true he's just trying to add little you know you're supposed to be taking shots at hill you just got done saying pre-show before you got on you're like oh my boy's on da, da, da. we are always complimentary and you just backhand me hey if it makes you feel any better don't make me Storm drive out to henderson stormy's my girl i took a selfie with her too come on Oh man, I was doing that for her. Yeah, it's all social media, my friend. All those pictures, are social and media. that wasn't last year. If you're going to be accurate, that was at the Vegas kickoff classic, which I ran the sidelines. You, you are, well. you are correct. Does that mean? Does that mean you're not coming back to the bowl game this year because of what I just said? Absolutely not. I'll be there. Of course, pay, of course job, be the there. job pays well. Yeah, you can do anything you want to him. He'll be back. It's a freaking punching <laughs> bag in this case. All right, John. Uh, we know you're a busy guy. We appreciate a couple minutes, and we'll uh, we'll have you on every Tuesday. And uh, next week, we'll do it after the CFP is out. Okay? Yeah, you guys are the best. Thank you for being flexible on the time. The Pac-12 changed a little bit, but I appreciate all you guys do, and appreciate you helping tell the story. And uh, have a great day. There you go. Thanks, John Santi, running the Las Vegas Bowl. LasVegasBowl.com. Get your tickets now. Get that mortgage tuned up right now. Eight seven 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 hundred Nova is the number to call at Nova Home Loans.